Good morning, everyone. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. For those of you who don't know me, I'm about all the food, all the time. I love shopping for food, cooking food, eating food, eating eating at restaurants. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet and I'm a personal chef. I give cooking classes. I run chop competitions. Oh, wait, did I say that I have a cookbook? Not one, but two books, um, which is very exciting. Um, as as book number two is flying off the shelves, which I'm so happy to be able to share that with everyone. I hope you'll tune in every week and hear about my cooking adventures, kosher for traveling, sharing of great recipes and ideas. But I want to hear from you. So send me an email to Naomi at NachumSiegel.com and tell me where you ate, what you ate, where you what, what you cooked, what you shot, what cookbooks you bought. Speaking of cookbooks, I had Kim Kushner on the show last week. She was so amazing. Her book is fabulous and she was adorable and we chit-chatted with her and Elisa Beer learned a lot about food uh, last week. Wow, we have an incredible lineup today but every single one of my guests is not in the studio. Usually I am able to get, um, usually we do a lot of our interviews in studio but I'm so lucky and blessed that my guests are living in Israel. So this is kind of like an Israel show. Um, but I also have Paula Scheuer, who has traveled to Israel many, many times. She is going to be joining us this morning as well. So we really have a global international show today. And I hope you'll stay tuned as we get closer and closer to Purim. And Pesach. Sorry, I had to throw that in. Actually, someone just Instagram messaged me the other day. saying Naomi, I have to unfollow you on Instagram because your Pesach talk before Purim is stressing me out. So I'm going to start following you again after Purim, but I'm unfollowing you now. And I'm like, okay, I thought it was a little, <laughs> whatever, annoying, weird. Um, but I know that I talk about Pesach all year. I spend my whole year planning Pesach as a personal chef and someone who develops recipes just for Pesach and cooks for Pesach and gives cooking classes at a Pesach hotel. I'm working this year for Gross and Charmel Caterers, which I'm super excited about in Somerset, New Jersey. And... You know, I think it's just so, I'm so Pesach-centric, you know. So so I, I, I do apologize for all the Pesach talk if you're not ready for it. But, you know, I think that, you know, if you're tuning in to listen to something with content and good content, which I hope I bring to you, we're going to do a little bit of um, today uh, Pesach talk. Um, we're going to be talking to Paula Scheuer herself uh, from Maryland, which is super exciting for me always because she's such a great conversationalist, a great chef. Actually, she's pastry. She's actually been trained in France. Um, and we're going to hear more about that and, and her amazing Purim ideas um, with her two chapters devoted in her cookbook to Purim. Okay. No one has ever done that before. So uh, we're going to be talking to Paula. We're going to be talking to Daniel Mushmeyer in Israel um, and what he does. He's been on the show many times. I try to have him on every year because he organizes Mishloach Manot for the very brave, unbelievable Chayalim. I think I say unbelievable a lot, but I really mean it. Like I'm always blown away. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking to Daniel Mushmeyer. But right now on the phone, all the way from Haifa. A former Lower East Sider, uh, a neighbor of mine, a former neighbor that we used to live here on in, in uh, the Lower East Side together in Seward Park. In fact, those of you know who I'm talking about, not in Seattle, but right here on the Lower East Side. 
Um, Rebecca Salzman, all the way from Haifa. Shalom. Hi, how are you? Good. I know that was a bit cliche that I said shalom. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I had to, I had to like, you know, I felt like you're in Israel, like you're a whole bunch of, it's almost Shabbat for you when, when people are listening to this show. Uh, It's Wednesday morning. It's Wednesday morning, but people are listening in Israel on Friday morning, Israel and and around the world. So um, we're very excited to have you on. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so um, I'm just going to tell one history that, you know, we both did live here at the same time on the Lower East Side. Um, And when did you move to Israel? Like, I moved to Long Island. You moved to a way better place. (laughs) We made Aliyah in 2014. um, And actually, Nahum was in – we came on a charter flight and Nahum Siegel was – you know, broadcasting it live when we arrived. So that was exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Were you on that flight, ZK? Uh, Did you go with him? Sometime. 2014. Uh, I, he might have been on the flight. Yeah, ZK. we were on the August flight. I think he was on our flight with us. So. Ah, ZK. I'm not sure if he was already there or, or yeah. But he may anyway. have been. He's not sure, but he, he was there with you on the yeah. plane or at the airport. So uh, cool. He was at, definitely at the airport. So, so we made Aliyah in 2014, and we moved straight to Haifa, and we love it. It's it's so beautiful here. We get to have the mountains and the sea, and and it's just it's amazing, and we we're really happy. <laughs> and how did you pick Haifa? There were so many places to go. Like, how do you know when you go to make Aliyah? Like, where where do you pick? You know. So that's really hard. It's a good question, actually. We just really liked it. A lot of the places in the center just didn't seem like us. And the north is so relaxed and just easygoing, and we just wanted to change from New York. And uh, Haifa's like – actually, I think Haifa's a lot like New York because you live in sort of these little neighborhoods that are just like living, you know, in a New York City neighborhood where you have everything you need within a few blocks. And then, like, you go we, – we made Aliyah actually from Riverdale. So when you need something like in the city, you go downtown. So it's like Tel Aviv. You just get on the train and you go downtown, right? So How far, it's, is, it's a, how far is Haifa from Tel Aviv but on the train? Uh, like 50 minutes or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Not bad. Yeah, it's the same. It was like basically the same as my husband getting on the Metro North. So right, right. He doesn't actually work in Tel Aviv. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, uh, but the North is just really beautiful. Um, actually, today I had the privilege of seeing a client in Ketzrin. And oh. oh my goodness. Everything, it's the perfect time to come to Israel right now. Everything is super green. It's beautiful. And even though it was very overcast and hazy and it's raining today, it was so fabulous. Like you had to say a bracha because it was just so, so beautiful. And actually on my way home around uh, Migdal, I think, I saw the most beautiful, perfect rainbow over the vineyard. It was gorgeous. Oh. It was so beautiful. It was like a miracle today. And so like just the north is so beautiful and calm and relaxed. I and- hear it in your voice, right? Yeah. You can hear it in her voice, <laughs> the yearning. Of, of, of living in this, not the yearning, my yearning to want to go and be with you. You're already there. Oh, my God. It's, you're, the ex- it I can hear a lot of excitement. the best decision we ever made. Best decision we ever made, hands down. Okay. Well, you're very inspirational. Great, yeah. Anyone who oh, moves thanks. moves to Israel and, you know, it's a big undertaking, leaving family behind. You go to a different family. Your friends become your family. And, it That's you know, true. we are all one big family in Eretz Israel, right? Like. I think you get the feeling of more like it's so it it never gets old for us. My kids 
don't appreciate it as much already. But like, <laughs> the buses say, say Shabbat Shalom. They say Chag Sameach. And the bus drivers, even if they're not Jewish, they, they say Shabbat Shalom to you. And the storekeepers, like every, oh. all the people in the checkout, like everybody just, it's nice. And it's like, it's a nice feeling. And, uh, you know, if you need something, all you have to do is ask. And 10 people are standing there ready to help you. Like, oh, I love that. It's just a really nice. See, Jewish it, it families. Has, I'm not saying it's never been difficult. It has definitely, there have been challenges. I'm sure. There are challenges wherever you wherever live. Wherever you are, yeah. You know. Um, it's nice. But, Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So Rebecca and I uh, became Facebook friends on top of being uh, real friends. Um, real friends. Um, which was a nice addition, you know, that it can keep people in touch. You know, she's moved to Israel and we still had Facebook as a connector. But I didn't realize until I got an email earlier on in the week. Well, I'm a, this is the segue into why I'm having Rebecca on the show. Besides hearing that, we love hearing people from Israel. That she has this like Pesach cleanup program. And I'm like, oh, that's what I need. Like, you know, I... I because I'm so Pesach-centric, and we were talking about that earlier on the show, like I'm always looking for something new and different to bring into my Pesach world, whether you're living here or in Israel, especially to my okay. listeners. And I saw on a flyer, the Jewish Woman's Blast, I think it's called, um, yeah. that uh, your whole program. So I'm like, it's, then I saw Rebecca Salzman. I'm like, is that my Rebecca Salzman? So <laughs> I sent you an email, and lo and behold, it was my Rebecca Salzman. Who does yeah. this? And there you go. We we have connected and brought you into the show today, t- so you can tell everyone all about my okay. Rebecca Salzman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you about the Pesach challenge. Yes, so actually, it's it starts March third. That's this coming Sunday, <gasps> and uh, I know it's forty five days. It ends actually two and a half days before Pesach, and. I know that Pesach cleaning is not spring cleaning, and spring cleaning is not Pesach cleaning, um, but it helps a lot if you declutter before you get to Pesach cleaning. So what I've done is I've designed four-ish weeks of getting your house decluttered, and then the challenge moves into getting ready for Pesach. So then it goes into when's the best day to start shopping and cooking and planning and when to clean your oven and all those kind of things. So even if you're going away, the first part of the uh, challenge is really, really worthwhile. And the challenge only costs $18, so it's not really very expensive. Um, And it's great just to get you decluttered so when you come back, you can feel relief, you know, that your house is in a giant mess right, but and it al- will make going away so much easier. Right. But also like every once in a while I need to clean up any case. So, you know, yeah, spring cleaning true. has so, a meaning, you know? Right. But I think like people sometimes um, do things that they don't need to do for Pesach cleaning and that stresses them out even more. And so this way, if you start early and pace yourself, your whole house will be clean and you'll feel calm and relaxed by the time you get to the seder instead of feeling like you are actually just freed from Egypt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> very who wants to get to the seder feeling like a worn out schmata, you know? Nobody wants to feel that way. So like this way if you if you just plan and pace yourself, you can get there and feel calm and relaxed. Like my goal is to always take a sit, uh, take a nap, Pesach. and 
we take like a nap as a family. It's really nice. Everybody just goes into the room for an hour or whatever, takes a lay down, and we're all arriving at the center, like, calm and relaxed. We have lists. We know what to do. We don't forget anything. There's no last minute, oh, my goodness, I forgot. There's a checklist right there that I give you um, as part of the planning, um, and I've been using the system myself for many years already. And It's your own system. You know, I love it. <laughs> you yeah. know it works. So, so, so Yeah, but when we made Aliyah, we stopped. We, I had to make Pesach for the first time. I've been married for 12 years, and I always went to my wow. parents, and I never really made Pesach before. So all of a sudden, I had to figure out exactly what to do. And the first year was super overwhelming. And I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. I never want to feel this way again. And so I devised all these, like, tricks for myself in a, in a workbook, and I don't feel that way anymore. I think it's fantastic that you've done that. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've kept all my lists and menus on Expel. Excel spreadsheets and what I've cooked oh, for my clients, and I guess that helped me segue into doing my book, uh, Perfect for Pesach. Um, right. But I think I think that it's um, so important to stay on top. Now, I bet you when we started, we called it the Pesach Challenge. People thought we were going to talk about a diet, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it sounds like the Pesach Challenge. In 45 days, lose weight to wear your, you know, <laughs> Whatever outfit you well, want. It is a certain kind of weight loss, you know, right. like you're losing like the energetic weight. Right, right. <laughs> but things that are holding you back. Right, but like, you know, it's it's so important to stay on top of besides be your one's weight for Pesach, but to stay right. on top of the cleanliness. I recently had my closets cleaned out um by an organizer. Oh. Uh, Miriam Yifat. Um I'm just gonna okay. I, I'm gonna look up her Instagram name now. Um, okay. Um, oh my goodness. You know, it's so funny. Like I, I, we spent so much time yesterday together. I'm just having a look. Um, and she actually went through my closets because I get so much, um, her Instagram name is spaced out organizing. Okay. Okay. Spaced underscore out. Did you get rid of? No, no, just my kitchen. You don't understand. Oh, just, your kitchen. just my How kitchen. How much kitchen stuff did you get? Three garbage bags full. Now, some of the yeah. stuff was out of date. Some of the okay. spices still said super soul on it when it's been called <laughs> seasons for years already. <laughs> Me of all people, I preach that like crazy. Like, yeah. Throw out your spices every <laughs> six crazy. months. And, and I found like it was really at the back. I had four containers of cayenne pepper buried back in the back. Like you only use oh one goodness. jar a year, maybe. I had four of them. <laughs> I had za'atar, four za'atars. Now, uh, it's great. I do use a lot of za'atar, but, you know, you buy one at a time. I, do, I get sent a lot of spices, so I just kind of shove them in, shove them in, shove them in. And it, it got to the point where, like, I got to clean up. So um, she came and she organized and put things in bins and labeled the bins. Like, it looks it looks good in there now. You can see it on my Instagram. We got cut off, CK. Okay, am I still recording? So I'm just going to keep talking. We're going to tell Rebecca we're going to call her right back. Um, but I think it was like really important to like purge the stuff. I cannot imagine how many cans I had of out-of-date things. You know, and I and I do try to stay on top of it. But I guess it had been a couple months and, you know, things get shoved to the back and you keep going. Um, so but with Pesach... With Pesach, it's um, just, you know, write yourself lists, write yourself notes. Okay, <laughs> write yourself notes. ZK is trying to get Rebecca back on the phone. Now, her business is called Balagan Be Gone. 
we're going to hear f- uh, more from um, Rebecca when we get her back on the phone. Is it working, CK? Oh, have I got it? Have I got it? Oh, we're just waiting for our connection. Stay tuned and we're back. Hello, Rebecca. Oh, what happened? Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, so we're just saying how important it is to, to keep on top of the cleaning and the yeah. throwing out and of old I, stuff. I lost you in the middle of the spices, but oh, yeah. part of that, you know, uh, I did hear that part. Um, but, like, cleaning out your kitchen and making sure that you're using, like, the freshest, best ingredients is super important. And I actually like to use Pesach as a time to sort of plan count down to use up my pantry items so that, like, I know that after Pesach I'm starting fresh. Right, you know what I'm and, like, doing now? I never now? have to think about, like, oh, when is this from? Because <laughs> I or, know, like, or, it can't be older than Pesach. Don't you hate when you, like, put things away in the freezer and you forget to label them and it's a mystery? Is it milk? <laughs> is it fleshic? Is it parv? Was it fleshic cooked with parv? Was it parv cooked with fleshic? You know, it's it's a mystery sometimes. So I actually keep a set of Sharpies in my kitchen drawer. Just so ah. I can write on things. Oh, excellent. Because... Uh, and maybe some stickers. That also is good um, yeah, to write. Um, yeah. So um, I, I'm doing something now called Shop from My Freezer, where every night okay. I try to find, every morning I should say, I go through my freezer, seeing what I have in there. And I'm like, oh, like yesterday I found pepper steaks in there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make pepper steak for dinner. I'm just trying to use what I have in my pantry and making my meal plan from my freezers and pantries. Actually, I'm saving for a lot of money. Or for all yeah, of now, now, because I got to purge. I got to get oh. rid of everything. Yeah, yeah. Do you meal plan during the year? Um, not so much. But my friend Zini Klein from Prep and Rally, she does an yeah. amazing meal plan, meal prep. Um, she's actually going to be on the show, I think, in next week or the week after that. I can't. I don't remember the lineup. But I think it's really important to stay there, and especially when you're a busy mum. Even forget Pesach helps with all the kids. Yeah. Do you it's do true. it? Being organized with meal prep. So actually, I gave over the cooking task to my husband. What? Because, yeah, I know. Uh, Go I you. Shabbos usually, but he cooks during the week, and we started sharing that responsibility. And he's been doing the shopping and the meal planning, and uh, it's a really, it's really nice. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, yeah. So I, I've been traveling a lot to see clients, and so I'm just not always home in time to make the kids dinner. So I said, you know, I need some help, and can you help me? And he's like, yeah. And My husband would actually, even though he's a complete non-cook, he would love to actually get in the kitchen more. He's actually expressed, I always joke around that speaker make toast, but he, honest to God, like he has said to me recently, <laughs> no, he actually well, he can do more than that. He can, re- no, he can't. <laughs> really, yeah. It's because yeah. I don't let him actually. Um, the uh, you know, but I said if he starts cooking, he's gonna bump me off. Like, what does he need me for? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you want to know something? Like, he started cooking and he helps for Shabbos, and just life in general is a lot less stressful when you're doing it together. And it's like a really nice way for us to spend time together. Like tonight, I was washing the dishes, and he was stir-frying the chicken and the peppers and like I was washing the dishes for breakfast and like that's you know, so cute and it was just nice we were both standing there working together and like air Shabbos is like that too and it's just um it's a really I, I don't know it's it's a nice feeling for us okay um, I, I love it that less, less stressful yeah. t- t- so you are based in Israel and you have clients all over the country so you are an organizer as well I am an organizer. So I, my company is called Balagan Bigan. Um, so Balagan is the Hebrew word for chaos. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I didn't really know that word until, until I named my company. I'm like, what's the Hebrew word for chaos? I had no idea. So I looked it up. Oh, that's cute. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, so I go to people's houses and I help them clear out all the stuff that they don't want. And I actually have like a master course that I do once a year in January where we go through room by room in your whole house, like very detailed, thoroughly in depth, um, you know, so people who can't be with me can also be with me. Um, but yeah, if you live in Israel and you want to get decluttered, and, I would love it, to help you. It's it's a great thing that for people that li- um, for people living in Israel, um, making Aliyah. Sorry, like for people right. making Aliyah, I think it's such a great thing to you know unload. You're going to get your big crates and stuff. Um, and then what are you going to do? It's overwhelming to unpack and get settled into a new house. It's already moving to a new country is exactly. overwhelming. So so to have Rebecca come and help you get organized. <laughs> so actually, I actually give webinars for Nefesh Benefesh. I'm actually giving one on the 31st of March um, about how to pack and downsize specifically for Aliyah, what to bring, what you shouldn't bring. Oh, that's, um, that's how great. How to pack your lift, how to plan like the pre-Aliyah stages and the post-Aliyah stages. Just because I found that there were so few resources when we were making Aliyah, I'm like, I have no idea what to do. And I'm an organizer, and I have no idea what to do. I've wow. never planned such a large move before. So that's what I like to do, help other people make Aliyah. Okay. One day, Bezrat Hashem, you'll help me. <laughs> God willing. <laughs> live it, to live that dream. Okay, amazing. So <laughs> let's just wrap up. Where Tell us about the Pesach program again and another shout-out for the Pesach Right, so it's 45 days. It starts March 3rd. It costs $18, and you can sign up for it at RebeccaSaltzman.com forward slash Pesach 45. Is it, is it up Rebecca, on the screen? Or... I'm not sure if it's up on the screen. Um, you okay, can, yeah. So you... Rebecca with a K-A-H, not a C-C-A. <laughs> and S-A-L-Z-M-A-N. Um, T-Z-M-A-N. T- yes, yes. T-Z-M-A-N, yeah. Right, right. Did I write it right? I hope I wrote it right on the screen. Okay, yeah, but so pe- people who are listening can email me, Naomi at NachamSiegel.com, and I will uh, forward you Rebecca's information as well. Um, thank you fabulous. so thank you so much, Rebecca. Hatzlacha Rabah on um, this so program. Oh, my pleasure, and I think it's brilliant what you're doing, and I hope that oh, everybody thanks. takes up that Pesach challenge uh, and gets organized, whether you're at home for Pesach or away at a hotel or going to in-laws. Just go check that out. Keep on top of the bag. Keep on top of the balagan, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Take care, Rebecca. Right. And we'll see, we'll see you soon shalom, in Israel. Everybody. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> Rebecca Salzman checking in from Haifa, Israel. So cool that we have reconnected. I love it. Um, speaking about really cool, amazing friends, uh, I've got on table for two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachman Siegel Network. Had to give a station ID. I haven't done that yet. Um, I have the uber-talented brilliant Paula Shoyer on the phone Paula Shoyer welcome to table for two hi Naomi happy to be here can I just say I'm I'm sad that we're not into the studio together because whenever you're here we have so much fun so will you promise me you'll come back and talk Pesach with me in the studio I will definitely come to be in the studio because you and I together just generate an amazing amount of energy I know the walls don't stay straight up when we're in the same room it's crazy (laughs) So Paula, I really wanted to talk to people with with we spoke a little bit about uh, Pesach with Rebecca. So we're going on backwards now. My first guest. So now we're going backwards in time to talk about Purim, which is only I don't know 
two weeks away, not even. Ah, it's freaking me out. <laughs> I think um, about three, but like, you know, close enough. It's close enough. So let's talk baking. Let's talk about Paula first and then how Paula's baking. Paula, you have written four books. You want to list them off? Yes, The Kosher Baker, my first baby, which is all part of desserts. My second book, The Holiday Kosher Baker, which we'll be talking more about because it has a Purim chapter. And then I wrote The New Passover Menu and then The Healthy Jewish Kitchen because when you're a baker like me and you love to bake and write dessert recipes, you kind of have to lighten up what you eat so that you always have room for dessert. Oh, see, spoken like a true uh, baker. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely, yeah. Like we know when you're eating babka all the time, like you literally can't eat lasagna too. Like you have to make a choice. And my choice will always be babka. <laughs> I always say like though, um, like I like, I'm more of a food person than dessert person because I don't have such a sweet tooth. Um, but I always say like I like, a, I'd rather have a second hamburger than a, uh, you know, dessert. But your desserts? You know, I'll, I'll eat Paula's desserts anytime. She's an amazing, amazing baker, and her books are very well written because she's very, she's a very, very good writer. Me, I, I like to think my books are well written, but I'm not a good writer. I get a lot of help. Paula is like <laughs> she she writes articles. She speaks like all over the country, right? How many have you done every state yet? I haven't, and one of my goals is to try to do that. So I keep trying to – that would be my goal for the next two years, is to try to hit some places that I haven't been to. Because, honestly, when I go visit smaller Jewish communities in the U.S. and beyond, there's an appreciation for what I do because they don't have kosher takeout. They don't have kosher bakeries. So when you go to these small Jewish communities, everybody bakes, and they take recipes that you and I create – so seriously and have such respect for what we do. And I feel like I'm bringing such joy to these smaller communities when I go there. No, they, they love it. They really appreciate it. They kind of like get a little starstruck, right? Right, because people in New York are always happy to see me or see you, but like if they're tired, they can go pick up a hall around the corner or down right. the block or nearby. But when you go to a place like you know small cities in Ohio, these women bake hollas every week. They have no other choice. Yeah, it's it's and and hamantaschen. I mean, how many yes. bakeries? Oh, please across... don't, don't even get me started on bakery hamantaschen versus homemade hamantaschen. Oh, okay, so now <laughs> now let's segue into our hamantaschen. In uh, the holiday baker, you have. At least one whole chapter just for Purim or two? Yeah, so the whole book is organized according to all of the holidays. So, like, and every holiday is color-coded. And, hum- and Purim got pink as, you know, one of my favorite colors. So the whole chapter is, is divided into half is hamantaschen and half is various candies and cookies that you'd want to put in your Mishloach Manot. Okay, now let's talk about hamantaschen. Okay. And, you know, I didn't used to love hamantaschen because, you know, growing They're up not in so New good. York, in Long Island, all the hamantaschen that I ate in bakeries tasted like cardboard. Yeah. And the only fillings were prune or poppy. Or sometimes jam. Sometimes jam. And it was like that, you know, out of a tub kind of jam that bakeries like to use that, you know, there was a fruit someplace, but you can't really <laughs> taste it. It just looks brightly colored. <laughs> but, but. You know, you have done some incredible stuff with your hamantaschen. What was the first of the crazy hamantaschen that you did? So, you know, for me, and it's kind of a funny story how this came to be, and it it was, um, so for years, you know, every 
as Hamantaschen became marginally more interesting in the U.S. and in American cookbooks in like the 90s, I guess, and the early 2000s, people were just trying to come up with interesting fillings for the Hamantaschen. Right. And I was in London for a bar mitzvah years ago, and I was wide awake in the middle of the night at 3 in the morning. Ugh. And it was about a week and a half before Purim, and I couldn't fall back asleep. So I started to, you know, dream up recipes like every chef does in the middle of the night. So I was thinking about the macaroon craze in Europe, in, in Paris, where they had these macaroon cookies in all different colors. I love them. And that them. got me thinking, well, why are we playing around with the fillings? Why can't we change this hamantaschen dough and make them colorful as well? And that was where I got this idea to not just put interesting fillings in hamantaschen, but to change up the dough. So, for example, I have my favorite one is with matcha green tea powder in the dough. So it's green, but it also has, you know, wonderful antioxidant matcha green tea in it. That is so cool. What Do you do a rainbow one? Did I not, not see that? No, I don't do the rainbow one. I defer to my friend and yours, uh, Melinda. Melinda, Melinda does one too. Tested, who has that beautiful, beautiful rainbow. Rainbow one, yes. Um, so I do have, I've done pink ones. I have pink ones with raspberry flavors inside. My other favorite is I have what I call my chocolate um, my chocolate chip hamantaschen, but really it is chocolate chunks in the dough mm. and then more chocolate inside. Oh, double chocolate. Yeah. Right, so the cookie tastes oh. like a chocolate chip cookie even before you get to the filling. So a hamantaschen chocolate chip dough. Right, so it's like you That's have to chop up cool. that good quality, you know, chocolate and small pieces and then you knead that into the dough. Right, and, and let's just say talk about chocolate for a minute because you and I went to Gomeglat the other day together yes. and and we saw different chocolate chips you know right. not so all chocolate me, is like created equal sweet i just don't right so i tend to like the more bittersweet chocolate so we're talking like 60 or 70 percent cocoa in them what is what is that what is exactly does that mean like there's 55 it, it means 70. that there's like more chocolate and kind of less cocoa butter and other things in your chocolate what exactly is cocoa butter ah cocoa butter okay i'm asking cocoa the butter. hard questions I know, I know, and I'm going to look it up so that I don't, like, I don't make any mistakes. Um, but cocoa butter, like, comes from the, you know, it comes from the cocoa bean as well. It's basically okay. like the fat in the bean. Uh-huh. So you want more, if you want a sweeter, you would have more cocoa fat? Yeah, you'd want more cocoa, cocoa fat, butter. and then people, you know, so, and so it would, and people want more, you know, put more, put sugar in it as well, which is like... Ridiculous, yeah. Right. So, like, so milk don't... chocolate is sweeter, as you know, than like the dark chocolate. Right. So I'm, it has, I you know, need... kind of people will add sugar to it. I want something in between. So what would be in between? Like a fifty-five or right, like a semi, like a semi-sweet, right? It's like somewhere in the fifties. Like what's really great is over the last five years or so, maybe even a little longer. There are so many great kosher par chocolates out there from Switzerland, um, from Canada. And, you know, Barry Calibo is great as well. So you can get really high-quality chocolate. It used to be that we just we didn't have great chocolate to bake with in the kosher world. Right, and now we have a lot, especially now for Pesach, we have a lot of good stuff. Absolutely, it's great. The only thing I, you know, I always tell people to be careful of is, it, depending on who you're baking for, many of the good quality chocolates also have some almond and hazelnut in them. So you have to be careful if you're baking for somebody who is nut, with a nut allergy. Right, Pesach is so hard with the nuts. I know, and I don't like baking for Pesach with, 
you know, cake meal. I like to use nut flours, which give desserts a wonderful flavor. But I always have developed recipes with, you know, other flours and with matzo flour for people who have kids with nut allergies. Otherwise, they'd have nothing to make for Pesach. Right, right. It's very hard. I once cooked for a client um, and they, their grandkid had a nut allergy and it was like we sterilized the kitchen before we started baking. Um, yes, yeah. I'll just to make sure there was nothing. a new bag nothing. of sugar and new bags of things. What I bake with somebody with a severe allergy. Another heart, bad allergy is soy. So some chocolates have soy in them as well. So you have right. to really read the labels depending right. on who you're baking Pesach, for. Pesach, I don't think it has soy in it though. So that's a good thing. No, that's the one thing that's good. But just think <laughs> when you're making hamantashen to hand out, like and give out in your shalach manos, read the labels on your ingredients so that you can tell people if it has soy or not in them if they have those allergies. Okay. Right, and another big thing that people are staying away from, which you sent me the recipe to, um, which I actually put in the newspaper as well. I did three of your recipes that I wanted to share with some of my readers because I'm, as everyone knows, I'm your, I'm your biggest fan. Oh, I'm your your biggest fan. Oh, we we really like guys. We really do have this great friendship where we just appreciate each other, even though we're in the same business. But Paulus Field is, you know, definitely the baking. And mine is not the baking. Um, that's why I have small chapters of baking in my book. Um, but the gluten-free. What a yes, game changer yes. for, for, for people who are um, gluten intolerant or have stomach issues, which so many kids are having now. Yeah, it's really remarkable how many people I meet are gluten-free, some who are diagnosed with celiac and some who are sensitive to gluten because of other diseases that they have and they feel that the gluten helps alleviate, you know, removing gluten helps alleviate their symptoms. Is, is it Pesach thick, by the way, the gluten-free one? Just out of curiosity. Okay, so the gluten-free flour mixes that I typically use, they often have brown rice in them. Ah, Okay, so, that explains so a lot. They're not for Pesach. Like I, I, you know, there's gluten-free cake meal for Pesach that I have played around with, but I've mixed that with nuts and other things. Right, right. So it's definitely hard. It's one of those challenging holidays because if you're allergic to eggs and nuts, you've got oh, a problem with this. Eggs is a very tough one. You know, gluten-free Pesach is, is very well designed for gluten-free people because right. – you know, we all make recipes using, you know, if they can have nuts, then it's easy. You know, you can create so many things about combining different nut flowers. And the funny thing is I went to cooking school in Paris, and I'm sure I was the only person at that school that was thinking every time we made a dessert that had nut flour in it, like hazelnut or almond, <laughs> all I'm thinking of, well, I can make this for Pesach. <laughs> that must have been so challenging for you. Yeah, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. I chose pastry over food because I just felt like I could see what everybody was doing. I can easily copy that with the recipes. And the kosher baker came out of that program because I had to take all these beautiful dairy desserts and convert them parf so I could eat them for Shabbos. So that's what I started doing. And that's when I realized I was onto something, right, that, that I could start teaching these recipes and then hopefully get them published. Which you did very successfully. Which I did. I know. I, st- I go back to the kosher baker all the time. Okay. I use it as also a reference guide. When I want to develop a recipe, like uh, because I'm not such a master baker or, you know, I don't pretend to be at all, like I have to like learn ratios, flour to sugar and how much liquid or 
and I've actually turned to your books. Well, how does Paula do it? And you know, oh, that's thank you. I go to Martha Stewart, so I feel really good that you go to me. I go to you. You're my Martha. You're my Martha. Um, Okay, so let's talk about your time in pastry school in France. It was a long time ago, right? Your kids were little? Yeah, I went, you know, a long time ago. It was after my daughter Emily was born, and so it was in 1995. I took my exam in 1996 when I was pregnant with my son Sam, and they had to keep giving me larger and larger chef's coats to wear because (laughs) I kept getting bigger. And um, I think I was the first student who was allowed to sit down in a class at the Ritz Escoffier in, like, a generation. Oh, really? That's very cute. <laughs> I was no, getting tired. I had Rachmanis on you. How long was the course? The course was, well, it was, a, it could be, I can't even remember how many weeks I ended up doing. Each week was a course. So, like, I did a week in chocolate, a week in dose, a week in petty fours. So, I probably did, I don't know, 10 to 12 different courses. And what was great as, like, a, as a mom was that I didn't have to go for 12 weeks straight. I could do a week of this and then a week of that. And then once I took a certain number of weeks, I could sit for my exam. Oh, very nice. What does sit for your exam mean? Eat? Oh, Cook and so eat? they give you 10 recipes and you have to memorize them. And then you get to pick out of a hat two recipes to make on the spot with no paper there that you've memorized. And you get judged on the look and the texture and, and uh, everything. That's so interesting because I, I don't know any recipes of mine by heart. I only know, I know challah and potato kugel. That's it. Okay, so for me, it's challah and my chocolate, my original chocolate babka recipes by heart, and my chocolate chip mandel bread, which is the first, first recipe in my first book, which I can just make off the top of my head. Right, but like to learn a recipe by heart is like that's really hard. Trust me, I was on Sweet Genius on Food Network where I had to create recipes like on the fly, in front of millions of people. It was the, you know, and that was insane. Like, at least if I'm, like, for the exam, I knew it was going to be these 10 recipes. But it, on TV, it was like, okay, right. create a baked dessert using these ingredients. Go. And how long did you have? The, that first round was, I think, 45 or 50 minutes, but it doesn't matter. It feels like five. Right. Uh, people say that about a chopped, like, the half an hour. Right. Oh, yes. I can't even watch Chop now. And even when I've been to your, I've judged your competitions, my heart starts to race in those last two minutes. Right, it's like right. I'm back there in that studio feeling like I'm never going to get everything done. 30, 30 minutes feels like two minutes. So we'll think about Friday afternoons, like no matter oh, when Shabbos right. comes but in. But that's what, one of the reasons I love my hamantaschen dough is that I, the basic dough that I started with came from my, my husband's grandmother. And it's just like a one-bowl easy recipe. And I'm really big on easy recipes. That's Every what, home chef needs to have like a white cake, a chocolate cake, a, a mandel bread, like some basics that like you know when you're jammed for time, you can get them in the oven. You have them ready for the oven before the oven's even preheated. No, I think that's really important. I totally agree. And if you need a good baking resource book, a one-stop shop for um, for baking, you get Paula's first book because it has literally one of all those. That she right, and then you could go to the Holiday Kosher Baker if you're looking for things, a, a notch up a little more interesting, but really focused on each holiday. Like, you know, people don't think about baking for sukkahs as like a particular time of year, but there's certain kinds of things, you know, like warm desserts in a big pan that feed a lot of people that you'd want to make for sukkahs that might not be as fancy as what you would want to serve on Rosh Hashanah. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. I have to say I love your Pesach book. As Pesach season is coming, people, and let's we're going to flip it a little bit to Pesach because uh, 
Paula has it. It's PPP, Paula Pesach Purim. <laughs> there you go. There you I go. My Triple favorite, P. I mean, my favorite baking holidays for sure. And in my new Passover menu book is a very, one of my, I feel like one of my really special recipes. It's my, um, I have this uh, triple chocolate biscotti, which is gluten-free, and it's like in my freezer all the time, so if anybody gluten-free comes for Shabbos, I've got a cookie to serve them, and it's a great, great cookie. Right. No, it's great. You know, one thing about Pesach recipes, your book, um, new Pesach menu, did I say it right? Yeah, the new Passover menu. Yeah, and my book, Perfect for Pesach, people use it all year for gluten-free. Exactly. It's I, just and, eating and it's clean. I went to a bookstore once in LA who was telling me that they sell Pesach books all year round because of the gluten free. And um, no, I feel like, and there isn't a large arsenal of Pesach books out there. Like, I feel no. like if you have yours, you have mine, I think you're good to go. You right. know, like you'd have enough variety. Wait, we, we'll throw in Susie you could, into you know, the mix. You'd be so happy. Right. Susie's got one. There's there. Yep. And then there's Taste of Pesach as well. There's a book. Yeah, and there's another interesting one that we can talk about, you know, next time, which has um, recipes from all over the world. And oh, I wrote neat. an article based on this book. It's wow. Jennifer Abadi's book. Oh, sure. And it's really an interesting book because she talks about traditions from so many different communities around the world and over throughout history. I, I love that. I would like to go to a, like a Moroccan Seder because I think they have awesome food and awesome traditions. So... You know what? Everybody's got awesome traditions. You know, yeah. having grown up, like only going to my parents' seders, it was only as an adult that I got to go to seders in different countries right. and start to host my own right, and but start like to put ours, together something that was special for me. Right. Ours don't become so exciting any, year after year. So you get to like 18 and you've done it a bunch. It's not so exciting. So just an awesome new one is great. Right. But that's why I feel like, you know, home chefs who are hosting for Pesach, should always be looking for new yes. recipes. Oh, absolutely. You know? And you know, you know what's really cool? Like doing different um, harassets and, yes. you know, mix up the wines a bit. We're going to have Gabe Geller on in a couple of weeks, maybe at the same show as you, talking about wine. So, like, there's a really a lot you can do with Pesach. So, um, yeah, I mean, I always say this is my, my tagline for that holiday is Pesach doesn't scare me. <laughs> That's very like cute. you're organized. You you figure out what you need to do, and you know what? I'm going to tell everybody. This is like a really good tip. I don't know when people start shopping for Pesach. Apparently, supermarkets are starting to get things. Yes, in. they are. Whatever you buy in the store for Pesach, you have to save all your receipts and put them in an envelope. And at the end of Pesach, you take them out. And if you bought four things of cream cheese and only ate three, then you go minus one for next year. So that next year when you go shopping, you know exactly what your family right. needs yeah, to exactly. buy. Yeah, exactly. Because it's so expensive. It is so expensive to shop for Pesach. Right, yep. It is, it is. You know, kosher food is expensive in general, so definitely Pesach. Paula Shoyer, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's so great to be here. I love talking hamantashen. Uh, and, and just uh, how can people get this book? Um, okay, so my cookbooks are all on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com, and you can check and both websites. Some, so, some have better prices than, other, than the other. Depends the the hamantashen one. And the new one. Passover menu, also on, on, on barnesandnoble and amazon.com. Where's and the, where's the, the one with the kosherbaker.com with other recipes that are not in my books, and you can find me on Instagram as kosherbaker. Amazing. Thank you. Paula, just quickly, where's the Hamantaschen re- uh, chapter? Which book? It's in The, the Holiday. Holiday Kosher Baker. Okay, so everyone gra- grab all four, but grab this one first because... This is the one you need now. For now, and then we'll worry about Pesach after Purim. But, but this book also has 45 Pesach desserts in it. Oh, actually, maybe just buy it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> buy the Pesach one now too. Save on shipping. Okay, thanks, there Paula. You go. Thank you, Paula, and we'll talk to you Thank in a couple you, of weeks me. before Pesach. All right.
take care. All right, bye, Shabbat Shalom. We are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are in Purim Pesach mode at the Nachum Siegel Network studio here today. We are just chatting with amazing people from around the world. We spoke to Rebecca Salzman beyond the Balagan in, from Haifa. We just had Paula Scheuer on the line, line talking about Hamantaschen from Maryland. And right now, Danny Mushmeyer from Yerushalayim. Where are you now, Mush? Hi, Naomi. How are you doing? Good, Mush. Where are you? I'm in Yerushalayim. You're I'm in... very, very fortunate to be here. You're in, in Yerushalayim. Ah. Oh. It was, we just spoke to Rebecca Saltzman. I have to introduce you to her next time I come. She lives in Haifa. She does organizing. So she's talking. Okay, we, great. We, we can all do with a bit of that. We, right? That's what we're saying, especially now before Pesach. But right now mm-hmm. we're going to talk to you, as we have done many, many times in the last seven years that I have been doing my show, about Purim and Mishloach Manot. So, okay, Naomi. So I'm very proud to tell you that for the 18th year we're having our uh, Mishloach Manot campaign, which was started by me and Mishkov Sikran Lebracha of Jamaica States in New York. We do two different types of things. You can send a Mishloach Manot to any family or any friend anywhere in Israel. And then together with our partners, we distribute 10,000 Mishloach Manot one by one to soldiers on bases all over Israel. Now, one by one means you physically go down there, you pack, you physically you go down there, and you hand them we, out to the Chaylim. We don't pack. We, we, they're packed by Savika, who's from the famous candy store in the back of the Shuk, in <gasps> Yehuda. That's where he sells so the Tim Tams. Yeah, right next door to Marzipan. And we um, close the office for a week, and we get on the buses, and we go to the bases. This year, we'll be giving 2,000 Mishnah not on the Syrian and Lebanese borders, which are very hot at the moment. We've got 1,500 going to training bases in Beit Horon and Michmas, 3,000 in the Hebron and Kush area. And the highlight of the distribution in the Hebron area is to the Telem base. We're going to have a barbecue with the Chayalim as well. And we're very proud of that base because we helped build the shul on the base. And a very kind family from Boston, a very kind family from Melbourne, donated Sifre Torah for that base as well. Oh, my God, Mosh, that's amazing. I wish I could come to that so badly. That's I want to be the barbecuer. Everyone's invited to join us if they're here on the week before Purim, the week of Purim. Um, We deliver every day and every night except for Tanya Desta. Leading up to it. And just so you know, Naomi, the proceeds, all the profits from our Mishnah Manot campaign are going to our death uh, program. Um, we are having on May the 20th, we're having a death bar bar mitzvah for children from all over Israel. We have 91 children or young adults already registered for the day. Can you explain what, what that means? I'm sorry. I, uh, if I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if my viewers, listeners know what that means, the bar mitzvah. So bar. We're, we're, very, yeah, we're very fortunate to... Uh, uh, do Torah education with the deaf and hearing impaired throughout Israel. Okay. And the highlight of the year of our educational program is um, our Bar and Bar Mitzvah program. What's the, the name of the organization? Uh, the International Young Israel Movement. Oh. We, um, we are mm-hmm. familiar with that. <laughs> okay. And we, um, we have four, four young ladies coming from Alap this year, from all the northern communities. We have two coming from the Gaza border communities. They have three months of preparatory uh, shiurim, and then on the great day we bring them in in a very, very uh, uh, technical matter to bring them from all over the country. We have an amazing ceremony in a shul in Ramadash Gol in Yerushalayim. 
uh, gift-giving, sudat mitzvah, and then we go to the old city where we have Tulim and sign language ending up at the cocktail. Well, Mika Amcha Israel, right? Uh, correct, we, correct. We really know if how to take any, care of us. If any of your listeners are in Israel on May the 20th, they are more, more than invited to come and watch. May the 20th. I'm going to jot that down. I would like to go and do the mm-hmm. Chayalim to give out the 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 um the Mishlach Mano to the Chayalim and the barbecue. That's amazing. People, so people you are more than welcome. Naomi, next time you're in Israel, maybe we'll go to a base together and you can give you can give Mishlach Mano even when it's not Purim. I think we should do a chop competition for the Chayalim on a mm-hmm. base in the in the kitchen. Just let me know when you're coming. I'm going to uh, – let's – ZK, how cool would that be? I'm talking uh, – my engineer is here. I'm like, I think we need a road trip to Israel to do that. I think that would be unbelievable to be able it's to do – It's not Atlanta, but it's not bad either. It's not Atlanta. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we would love to come into Atlanta. Actually, Mush, everyone should know, when I did my show from the Imbal, Mush came from his office in Yerushalayim to be at my show on the rooftop of the Inba Hotel. And he had a front row seat. He couldn't say to the end, so I didn't get a personal chance to chat with you, Mush. Because you were... No, that's okay. I was still on the air. And my last other visit when I went on the press tour was three days. I didn't have one minute. And Danny Wozner was on the tour as well with me. He was there for one of the days. So it was really cool that I got uh-huh. to... I got to see him. Hopefully next time. Hopefully next I time. hope so. I, I hope just, so. While I have you, Naomi, I just wanted to say there's other people involved in this distribution. Yes, yes, tell us. 10,000 So I just want to shout out to Ruben Margolis, who's the head of ZOA Brooklyn, to Leon Blankrot, who's the head of Yashar Lachayal, and Solly Sachs from World Mizrahi. They're my partners. They're, now, who came up with this idea? It's genius. And the, 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 the late Mayor Mishkoff, he came up with the idea of Jamaica Estates. Um, and we're just very grateful that we had him and while he was still with us, and now we're continuing on his legacy. Um, if it's okay with you, Naomi, I'll yes. just give you two websites where people can order. Oh, yes, I, 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 definitely, I definitely would... I definitely want to do that. And if people aren't and they they, want, they didn't write it down, you can always check back with me, Naomi, at NachamSiegel.com, and I will get that in, information over to you because I think it's really important. It's something I give to personally every year. I'm not because only because I'm friends with Mush that I, but I want, I, I think it's such a great cause. You can send Mishlach Manot to friends or to the Chaylim or to both, right? Correct. And I just want to tell you, we have about 30 or 40 shuls in America who are also involved in the campaign. Oh, cool. They're collecting money for us, and then we are very grateful to them. And and we have uh, letters from school children, Jewish day school children, all over the world. Um, The Chayalim, it's it's very funny to watch, but more than their tummies, they love the letters even more than the the Mishloach Manot that we give them. It's very heartwarming to watch these big hunky guys and young ladies reading these little letters and getting all mushy. Oh, that's Um, so cute. And this year, uh, the Hong Kong Jewish community has joined in the campaign this year as well. So what are they doing for you? They're writing letters and they're contributing Mishnah okay. to the Chayalim. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so give us the website and then we're going to talk more about life in Israel. Okay, so the website for the person-to-person Mishnah and Chayalim is www.yimanot.org, yimanot.org. And just for soldiers is www.iym.org. 
iyimpurim.com. Okay, fantastic. I hope that everyone, if, if you didn't catch that, you can email me and, and I'll forward all that information on to you. So, uh, Mosh, how long have you been living in Israel for now? And about 25 years. 25 years. Unbelievable. Wow, that went fast, hey? <laughs> very, very quickly. Life in Israel is lived at a very, very quick pace. Yeah. And a little bit in New York, too. I think the Jewish life moves a little bit fast. Um, okay, so 25 years from Sydney, Australia. Actually, Mush was my Majvich, uh in Sydney, Australia. He got. He is very lucky to live in Israel. And we hope... Very soon to come, very, very soon. We just keep davening to come um, to live in Israel. The land, the land of Israel is big enough for every, each and every Jew to come and call it their home. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love visiting Israel. Now let's talk about the stuff that you do, like your, your job. You work for the uh, Young Israel Movement, right? For the International Young Israel Movement, correct. Right, but don't you do a lot of stuff with Chaylim throughout the year on the so, basis? So there's a, there, yeah, there's many organizations that are looking after Chaylim, thankfully. We focus on the spiritual side of Chaylim and what they need. So our major program is we rededicate Sifrei Torah and donate them on bases. And many of these Sifrei Torah come from America in shuls where they've fallen into misuse or their puzzle. And we get them to Israel and then we dedicate them in memory of someone for a bar mitzvah, for a 70th birthday, for a 25th wedding anniversary. We also do tefillin, and now with the border police, we are building them new um, shawls on their bases. That's amazing that you're taking, I mean, everything you're saying is is fabulous, but I just want to pick up on um, that you're taking old Sifrei Torah from shawls that, say, like East New York, that aren't really going, the community has moved and changed, so they probably closed the shawl, had Sifrei Torah, and donated them back to Israel. Is that what's happened? Then that's exactly it. The Sifrei Torah making Aliyah. Um, <laughs> if you open an Aaron Kodesh in any major shul, you know there's a lot of Sifrei Torah in the Aaron Kodesh. You're using three of them, you're using six of them, and the rest of the Sifrei Torah are very sad because they've been retired out. So we give them a new life here in Israel. Um, there's nothing greater than hearing from Chayalim that I know when they use our Sifrei Torah. A Sefer Torah in the army is like a, any other piece of equipment, like an F-16, like a tank. And wherever the Chayalim go, the Sifrei Torah go with them. If they're going out for a maneuver for five days between Sunday and Thursday, if it's a Hezda unit, if it's a Frum unit, they take a Sefer Torah with them. Also in the reserves, for God forbid, during wartime, there's Sifrei Torah that are ready to go out to war. They're, they're basically just ready to go out when the Chayalim need them. I'm actually speechless. I'm on my show. And that's what you have to talk because I'm going to be and, and, I'm crying. That's what, that's what separates that's what separates the idea from every other army in the world. I'm taking a tissue. Oh my god! <laughs> Seriously, I, I'm like I I my eyes are. <laughs> wow! I I I think ZK is this like the first time. Yeah. Yeah. The first time, Paul. Silence from me. <laughs> you have to yeah, run my I'll, show I'll, now. I'll Wow! Yeah, in the 2014 war, I went to visit a Golani unit right on the border of Gaza, and right in the middle of their encampment was a special Arunah Kodesh with a Sefer Torah in it, and it was just the most amazing thing to see. We are a beautiful people. We really are. We have our shtick. Let's let's not you know forget that we have shtick. We know we have shtick, but this is 
this is the beautiful part of who we are and what makes us and you know, I guess they, they have to take everything they take everything with them. You don't even think, Oh my god, tanks, guns, boots, oh yeah, my sitter, my tefillin. <laughs> you know, like who else? What other army's got this like spirituality with them? You know, Hashem with them. And, you know, and take, really, really pack, something pack special. the Torah. Really Who's got the stuff? Torah? Who's in charge of the Torah? Like such a big responsibility. I know because I travel a lot on groups, someone's always in charge of the Torah. So what Chayal is in charge of the Torah? One tank, and, uh, a gun on one shoulder and a Torah on the other? There you go. That's like David HaMelech. Like Melech, David HaMelech used to go to war with the Sefer Torah in his arms as well. Wow. That's why we are still here today, because of all that belief and emunah. Yep. Um, okay, now, because it's a food show, you know I'm going to tie it back into food. When they go with the Torah mm-hmm. and the tanks, what food, <laughs> do, what food are they bringing with them? Seriously. You're not making a barbecue so, in the so, middle there. No, so unless, unless some kind people have come and made a barbecue on their base, the food on the base is, is very good. But when they go out to war, they go out to maneuvers, they have what's called in Hebrew manot krav, which means uh, war rations. Krav means rations. And that's not so t- yep, and that's not so tasty. It's got some um, tinned meat and some tinned apricots and some bread, lots of sand if they're in the desert. And <laughs> no, they, they, they get by on it. Right, right. Survival is more of uh, staying well, alive is more important than eating. The thing is, they have uh, the canned meat is called buff, lamad vav pei, and people don't know where the word came from. But when the British left Palestine or Israel in 1948, they left over a lot of stuff, and half of it was canned meatloaf, and that's where the word, the word loaf comes from. Like loaf, like loaf from the meatloaf, and the Israelis couldn't say it, and meatloaf became loaf. That's so. That's brilliant. Guys, this is the perfect ending to my show. We learned all about Chayalim and what they're bringing and the Torahs and everything. And now we know what they eat and how it got its name. <laughs> See, it all comes now, back now to food. Now you know the secret. The, to- the Torah and the Luf is what gets the Israeli army through everything. <laughs> that is really the truth, and man. Lo- that is the truth. Naomi, because we love and appreciate every soldier and what they're doing 365 days a year, 24-7. Our way of saying thank you and we love you. Is by bringing the Mishnah Manat and bringing a bit of Purim joy to them. I know. I, every what what twenty year old in America is like the typical person is not joining the American army, and we our boys are conscripted. I don't know if that's the right word because they're right. What's the right word there? Mm-hmm. They have to go to the army, yeah. and 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 we we Draft. treat them mm-hmm. drafted, and we give them we give them candies and stuff that every twenty year old really loves and appreciates, and we love and appreciate them. Everyone's got to jump on board this. Um, if you were talking about the army Naomi, bases, if I can say one, Naomi, yeah. if I can say one more thing, when we go to and distribute, one of the greatest things is we find so many Chayalim Bodadim, so many Chayalim, a lone soldier Aliyah from America, from Australia, from Canada, from England. And they've gone from very nice homes, most of them, into the dirt and mud on the Gaza border and the Syrian border, and it's very, very special to us. So every year I'm involved in the Chayal Bodeh, the Michael Levin Lone Soldier Center. Um, we uh-huh. do a bake sale mm-hmm. every right before Tisha B'Av that people can buy challahs and, and babkas and cookies and cakes before the, um, before the fast, and the money all goes 100% profit, goes to the Michael Levin Lone Soldier Center. If people want to visit a base and make a barbecue and do something special, how can they do that? How... They should get my email from you or to give a safer Torah or to fill in or whatever it may be 
They should just email you and you can pass on my information. It doesn't have to be Purim that you two can do this. Purim is great and that's our campaign uh-huh. now, but there's always something we can do for our beautiful soldiers in Israel. That's correct. They're out there all the time, so we go to them all the time. Fantastic. Mush, we need to get on this when I'm in Israel next, and it will be soon, so <laughs> we're, we're going to plan something. Great. We're waiting for you. And again, www.yimanot.org. Amazing. Shabbat shalom, Mush. Lovely tell, chatting. Tell your, fa- tell your family and friends in Israel that you still love them. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> and be well Shabbat shalom. Bye, everyone. Okay, we are uh, listening. You have listened to Table for Two with the Nachman on the Nachman Seed Network. We have the Erev Shabbat, Erev Shabbat show with Mark Zomik, uh, which will air right up until Lich Benching with music sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Thank you very much. Incredible shows coming up in the next couple of weeks leading us up to Purim Pesach. Good Shabbat.